welcome to the first episode of the Pity Party Podcast, and uh, I'm your host, Ryan Thomas. I was um, kind of grappling with whether or not to, to release this episode or not, or, or how to approach it, because it runs the risk um, of being controversial or uh, looked down upon or thought of as us making light of, of a very serious situation and I by no means uh, mean for that to be the case because I don't feel like the person I'm talking to today which you'll hear in a little bit or myself actually feel that way because uh, we're going to be talking about alcohol abuse and um, alcohol related incidents within the military which are really really prevalent and I was afraid to, to put it out there because at some points, some people could misconstrue how we feel, uh, myself and uh, my interview, uh, about alcohol-related incidents and that we're making light of the fact, uh, fact that, you know, he, he got a few DUIs or DWIs and that at times it could feel like maybe he's making excuses or he doesn't feel like he did anything wrong but I, that that is not the case at all he knows what he did is wrong and shouldn't be made light of but this episode is mainly about i think and um i can't speak for him but i, I what i think after talking to him is that really it's the underlying reason uh that he drinks uh, that i drink or anyone who has abused alcohol um, and that's depression. And the reason I decided to tackle this, even though I probably shouldn't, because, I mean, it could possibly get me in trouble. It could possibly get him in trouble. Um, it's because it's a really serious thing in the, in the armed forces. The, the depression and suicide rate within the, the military is 50% higher than regular uh, civilian life. And, and it's not just because of war. There was actually a study. It was in, I think it was the Los Angeles Times. They, they published the fact that people who didn't get deployed to Afghanistan or Iraq were 16% higher, uh, more likely to, to commit suicide. And it's also a culture of, of heavy drinking. Uh, every single uh, outing, every single event that is hosted uh, is usually around... Uh, alcohol, So there's this culture of, you know, when you're having a good time, this is how you have a good time. Let's all go grab a drink. Let's go. Everything is surrounded by this, you know, let's have alcohol, which is fine. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be able to drink. I think people should be able to drink. That's not the issue. The issue is, is when you have a culture like that and then you also have this stance on it that whenever someone makes a mistake or there is an alcohol-related incident – the way they handle it might not be in the best interest of the person who might be suffering from something. With such a high suicide rate, I think the most important thing is is to make sure our veterans are of sound mind. So even if they do something wrong and, and, and punishment has to be made, at the end of the day, we have to look at ourselves and be like, are we doing what's right by our veterans, by the people who have signed on the dotted line, agreeing that if they have to, they will die protecting our country. And 
I don't feel like the system they have in place right now is right. It doesn't work. It, it's, it's set up in a way to, to punish people and not to investigate, like, what is the underlying problem? Why are they drinking heavily? Why are, why are they doing the things they're doing? And how do we treat that before it becomes worse? And if, again, that they do something that causes for them to be separated from the military and they need to be, maybe maybe that is what is needed for them, for a certain individual. Maybe they need to be let go. They have, for whatever reason, have served our country and we should be serving them as well. Even if we have to put them out of the military, we should be setting them up. Not setting them up for failure. What does that teach? What kind of a culture does that teach? That, hey, can you, you can die for us, but if you have a problem, we're not going to help you solve it. We're not really your family. We're your bosses. We don't care if you have a problem. All we care about is the numbers and that you're not out there making us look bad. It has to change. The, the culture has to change. It's not sustainable. And um, that's why I think this episode is, is so important and, and it is a good place to start uh, for this podcast because the, the idea of the Pity Party podcast, and I know that sounds derogatory, is to tell people stories. And some of them might be petty and might be funny and might be, you know, just complaining and hopefully in an entertaining way. But some of them will be deep and some of them will uh, tackle important things and uh, tell how people are feeling. And uh, I want to tackle mental health on here. And I I think um, my interview today, and I'm not going to say his name and you won't hear his name during the episode. And there's going to be a few things bleeped out to keep him anonymous. Um, I think he is suffering from something that, that he needs to seek help. And right now, the only thing I can do for him is to listen and to be there for him. And if there's anyone in your life that you think might be going through something, if you think they're in a dark place, um, don't wait to talk to them when it might be too late. Uh, do it immediately. And the worst case scenario, you ask them, are they are you feeling okay? And if they aren't, they'll, they'll probably tell you. If they're comfortable with talking to you, they'll probably tell you. And if they don't, at least you tried. Anyways, I'm, I'm rambling, and uh, I just want to get to the interview. So here is, well, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, my interview for today is an active duty military member, um, not for much longer, and he's going to tell his story. So welcome, and... Start from the beginning. Yeah. You don't have to say your name or any specifics, but <laughs> <laughs> he's stupid as hell. Uh, let's see. Uh, start from the beginning. Are we recording right now? Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, can I use profanity? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Cool. I would be upset if you didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. So from the beginning. Well, once upon a time. Oh shit. In May two thousand four. A young whippersnapper went to basic military training. During the Air Force, uh, 
I'm a crew chief. For those who don't know what a crew chief is, you know, I work on aircraft. I've, my first aircraft was a C-130. If you don't know what that is, Google it. I'm not going to explain <laughs> it to all of you guys. Uh, my first duty station uh, was Little Rock. Sucked balls. How, how long were you at Little Rock? Uh, I was at Little Rock for probably about three and a half years. And looking back, Little Rock ain't bad. It was just, it sucked at the time because if you were underage, there was nothing to do. So I just sat in the dorms while everybody else went out and partied or whatever, but you got over it. You know, I did two tours over there, one to Kuwait, uh, one to Iraq. Spent my 20th and 21st birthday both in the desert deployed. Uh, came back, what, 2006, 21, so I started going out, you know, having a good time meeting the ladies. <laughs> As you, know. you do. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of cute for those who don't know. Who okay. like to think so. Uh, He's very modest as well. Yeah, did that. Uh, probably like a year or so later after I got that, got back from that last deployment, you know, I got orders to Japan. Around the same time, I found out that my girlfriend at the time was pregnant. So got married, went to Japan, had a baby, lived in Japan for four years. Uh, moved back to the States, unfortunately. So you liked Japan? Uh, Japan was cool, but I was ready to kind of get out of there because of personal stuff I had going on. I was in the midst of going through a divorce at the time. So I kind of wanted to get all that shit squared away. You know, the thoughts of working out your marriage or whatever the fuck, and then, you know, being away from your kids. So I wanted to go back to the States. But, but uh, you know, I got an assignment... First thing I did was Google that motherfucker because I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then from there, like, kind of just went full-blown shitbag, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> uh, I was already going through my divorce before I got to this motherfucker. Get here, my divorce gets finalized that summer. And then, what, the following, early t- 2013, I got arrested for a DWB. For those who don't know what DWB is, that's driving while black. Uh, I got pulled over by a local police department, and uh, they said they smelled alcohol. I'm like, well, that's fine, you know. I'm driving people around. Of course, you're going to smell alcohol. We just came from the club. It was like, all right, well, we're going to do some tests on you, do a field sobriety test. That goes fine. Tells me I do good. So you passed it? Okay. Yeah. That's what the cop told me. You know, what they wrote up in the police description and the uh, police report was completely different. But, uh, you know, I did the field sobriety test. And after I do that, he puts me in handcuffs and then he's like, I'll be back. You know, he said he's doing it for his safety or whatever. Or, so I don't know, I guess he thought I was going to run away or something. Were you shit. Uh, arrested at that point? Before you I was on you? apparently, after talking with other people who are in law, law enforcement or whatever, when I was going through the whole scenario, uh, <coughs> once you've been handcuffed or detained, you theoretically are arrested, but usually they say, hey, you're under arrest, and they put you in handcuffs or whatever. So at this point, I think everything's fine or whatever. I'm just listening to him. All right, I'm in handcuffs. I'm chilling. He goes to talk to the other individual in the car, comes back. You know, we talk a little bit, and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to ask you again, have you been drinking? I was like, I already explained to you, you know, how the night went or whatever. He was like, I don't like being lied to. I'm like, well, what did I lie to you about? He was like, all right, well, you're under arrest. So I'm like, all right, well, that's cool. He was like, so he reads me this piece of paper or whatever. 
and the you know they asked me to submit to a blood test so my understanding is you do a field sobriety test cool if they still don't like that you do a breathalyzer and then you go from there so a breathalyzer was never even brought up so i'm thinking like okay well why is this dude trying to draw blood from me you know what i'm saying i gotta go to the hospital and draw some blood because i've been breathalyzed before and uh I passed that one for people who were, you know, in question or whatever. <laughs> but that's a different story. But uh, <clears throat> so I'm wondering, okay, well, why I got to take, why are you trying to give me a blood test? You know, what does this blood test entail? He was like, all right, I'm going to ask you again. Uh, do you submit to taking a blood test? And if you don't say yes or no, I'm going to say that you refuse to take a test. So I'm like, okay, well, ask me ask you a question refusing to take this blood test. He's like, all right, well, you refuse. You're under arrest. So you're going to jail. So takes me to jail. Call my first sergeant because, mind you, I'm in the military or whatever. And, you know, they tell you to do the right thing and all that bullshit or whatever. And things will work out in your favor. So I didn't even have my military ID on me. So I could have just, you know, swept everything out of the rug, got myself out of jail. And then hoping that nobody found out. But here I am doing the right thing. Call my first sergeant. Like, hey, this is what happened. So she was like, well, did they explain to you that if you don't take a test, that they can just give you a DUI by default? I'm like, no, these are all the questions that I asked the officer during the booking process. So she's like, well, you might need to ask them or whatever and see if you can take a test or whatnot. At this point, I already know that I'm good. they're not going to let me take a test. You know, so many hours passed, so they're not going to, uh, nothing would be valid, you know. So I get off the phone, I'm like, so hey, my shirt just told me that since I didn't take this test, the judge can the judge can look at it, just give me a DUI, you know, based off precedence. And it was like, yeah, that's what's implied when we were talking to you. I was like, no, that's not what's fucking implied. This is what the fuck I asked you, and y'all didn't answer it. And I was like, I was like, so I'm about to get a DUI because y'all didn't do y'all job right. And I was like, no, that's not what's going on. Well, why you could just talk to the judge when you go to court? I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So I brushed that off. And initially, everybody was on my side. You know, the shirt hit my back, supposedly, I guess. You know, of course, the wing commander and everybody found out. And they said, since it was off base, you know, get a civilian lawyer. We're not going to take any action. You know, we're not going to make no moves because we don't know what happened until you go to court. And then whatever they decide, you know, we'll move on from there. So I'm like, all right, cool, because I know I didn't do anything wrong. I know if I go to court, it's going to get thrown out and I'll be fine. Next duty day, they're like, nope, you got to go see the wing commander. Go home, get in blues. Oh, yeah, and before you do that, go change the how many days it's been since we had a DUI at the front gate, too. For people who don't know, I just want to interject. I don't even think they do this anymore because it's kind of, well, it's, I mean, it's, I was going to say inhumane, but it's like it's bullshit, kind of. If you get a DUI, um, when you come on most bases or installations, they have this big sign that says, this is how many days since our last DUI. And the person who gets the next DUI has to go out there in full uniform as people are coming in on base. Basically, it's a, a way to humiliate you in front of everyone. And uh, you have to change the number of days on the sign for anyone who didn't know. But, uh, and with that, like, you have to change it every day. So every day, pretty much until somebody else gets the DUI. Every day? I didn't know that. You have to go change the number every day. I had to go to the gate and change the number. So one, two... No, the uh, first day you do it in blues, you know, and then after that, you know, just uniform of the day. Jesus, I didn't know it was every day. Yeah, so, and the funny thing about it is, like you said, they don't do that anymore. Yeah, like, they don't. 
I was the last person that had to do that. Oh, so apparently somebody else got a DUI after me, but somehow that got swept under. And they was like, oh, you know, they came up with the whole, you know, uh, it's humiliating people and things of that nature. And then they stopped doing it. So, like I said, you know, they was like, oh, you got to go see the wing commander. So I'm in full service dress, which is our whole little pretty dress up uniform. And I go in there and I report. There's one way communication. So pretty much I go in there and he just tells me he's disappointed. I'm a piece of shit in so many words. And then, uh, you know, then I leave. So I'm still thinking like, all right, well, they're going to wait and see what happens, what comes from this. Of course, he wants to address it, but they're going to wait and I know I'll be fine. I go out. My senior NCO tells me, hey, come to my office after this. I got to talk about just talk to you about some stuff. Sorry, all right, cool. Go change. Go to his office. And he's like, yeah, the commander's recommended you for administrative demotion. For those that, that don't know, basically, they I'm going from an E5 to an E4, so I'm losing rank, which equi- equivalates to losing money. Also, with the time I've been in the military at the time, they took my stripe. It left me subjected to something that's called higher tenure, which means that you can only be on active duty at a certain rank for so many years. So if you're over eight years, if you're an E4, they kick you out pretty much as showing like you failed to promote type deal. So it's not so much something bad. It's just like, hey, it wasn't cut out for you. You couldn't promote, so they kick you out. And I was subject to that because I lost rank for something I didn't do. So I was like, well, I thought y'all, what happened to them waiting? I was like, well, she wants to push forward with it now. It's like, but there's all she has is this police report. And I'm sitting here and telling you what actually happened. And basically what it came down to is, because uh, in criminal cases, because there's two different things, two different actions going on here. In criminal cases, or if you go to court for anything like that, the burden of proof is beyond a shadow of a doubt. Right. So, you know, the whole innocent to proven guilty. Yeah. Theoretically, that's there. You know, they have to. That's civilian court. Right? Yeah. That's, that's civilian court. Even court marshals and stuff, too, military wise. You know, <coughs> they have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. The difference is when it's an administrative thing, they use what is called preponderance of the evidence. So the difference is pretty much all it takes is 50.001% that they believe more than likely you did what the uh, offense is and they can take action of it. So how do they how, how the fuck do they calculate that? Like what what is that? Pretty, zero point zero what? No, I'm just saying like, you know, or let's just make it even easier, you know what I'm saying? Let's say it was five people who were reading this over or whatever. Right. As long as three of them thought that I did it it don't matter what the other two people said they're gonna go with whatever you know what I'm saying so basically all is is like okay well we think he did it so in our eyes he did it so nothing actually has to be proven it's just a matter of what someone believes so from that like I said I lost track which coincidentally put me in debt so I've been in debt for a little bit of time you know what I'm saying and I was about to get kicked out for higher tenure. But then the Air Force came down with some force shaping bullshit too. So now they was just trying to find any reason to kick people out. Because for those that don't know, there's an end strength of 
how many people they actually want on active duty. And if they're over those numbers, they go through something that's called force shaping, which is, for lack of better terms, they find any and every reason to get people out of the military, whether it's through administrative processes, whether it's through letting people retire early, whether it's through letting people get out early, you know, with no penalty. They do certain, uh, they have certain programs to let people out. Hell, some people they pay to get out, you know. Yeah. So I was subject to that since I had a negative quality indicator, which is that uh, administrative demotion. I was about to get kicked out through that too. So I had two it's things. Perfect on me. whirlwind. Yeah, it was like perfect. Okay, you lost a stripe, so you're gonna have to get out anyway, unless you make your rank back. On top of oh, now we got four shaping going on. So now there's two processes working against me as far as me getting out the military. But uh, I like to consider myself a badass motherfucker. So <laughs> you know, that's a bamf for anyone who doesn't know. Bamf, you know so. I always have that silver line is like as much as some people do dumb shit as far as like my opinion or how I feel certain things might go there's always going to be maybe that one person looks at it and be like okay well wait wait a minute maybe they're doing a little too much or taking a little too far so I go through the quality force review board they decide to retain me they had every reason to not retain me I would have had to have been out in four months anyway because of higher tenure and I had this administrative demotion so to them, I look like a piece of shit, or at least to some people. But I was decided to be retained. I think that's a good time to bring up, too. Like, part of the reason you were retained is because of the history that you had in the military up to that point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a really good fucking record. You had a lot of... You, you have awards. You have uh, you were a distinguished, distinguished airman, NCO. You were... Right? I mean, you were well, you know, you know I, had a, I had a few accolades and accomplishments. Bamf, right? You know, like you did, I said, right? I was a badass motherfucker. And the thing <laughs> is, like, the regulation actually reads, too, you know, before you take any action or if you decide to take action, you know, take into account the individual's entire military record and see if demotion is actually something that should be taken. So it was like, you know, at the time I had been in probably about eight, nine years. So... Because you think I did something, and, you know, nine years before that, my career is pristine, you know, and now I'm facing getting out the military just because whatever bias you may have made you take that course of action. So, like I said, me being a BAMF, you know, I made the Quality Force Review Board, you know. And and they, they decided to retain you. They decided to retain me, but I still had the higher tenure thing going on, so I had to test for a promotion to make my old rank. I had to test again to get that rank back. So at this point, how much time has passed from, okay, so you're uh, E5, you, you get in trouble, you lose your stripe, mm-hmm. you're fighting this shit, you finally get through it, you... you, you get past like okay you're being retained but now you have to make rank how much time had passed from lost stripe to trying to test for your next one or to get back your old rank let's see I lost some stripe in March 2013 I didn't test for E5 again until which was kind of a battle too because they was trying to fuck off me with my test date but I finally got a test date, and I, when I tested out of the cycle, I tested in June of 2014. Found out that I was selected for a promotion again uh, in September of 2014. 
And then with the way that they do promotions, which I'm not going to get into that, but yeah, yeah. I didn't actually put my strike back on until May 1st of 2015. So I lost my strike, and it took over two years for me to get that strike back. So that's over two years of pay and all this stuff, whatever. On top of career progression and not being able to be at the appropriate rank that I should have been at, that I had to suffer through. But that's okay. That's I'm cool. You know, I made it back. I'm a badass motherfucker. <laughs> but going into where we are now, being a badass motherfucker and all, sometimes players fuck up. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I'm always I'm the type of person like if I fuck up. I'll tell you I fucked up, you know what I'm saying? I'll take the blame for it. I'm not going to sit here and beat around the bush. So fast forward, I got lost a strike for a DUI. I didn't do. Then I get a DUI. <laughs> this time, this was legit, though. You know what I'm saying? I take the blame for that one. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, players fuck up. Uh, still, there was some... Uh, embellishment on the cops behalf as far as what they actually wrote up but that's neither here nor there I mean ask me if I was drunk well, well I'm not even gonna say I was drunk but ask me if I had had something to drink and was driving which is against the law yeah, yeah I did that uh, there's no refuting that so and I was on leave and the irony of it because my baby mama like I said I got divorced but I knocked her up again, even though we were divorced. Same. So you got yeah. a divorce, and then you were still knocking boots. Yeah, so I got divorced, and I was still bumping uglies with my ex-wife. And then <laughs> she got knocked up again. Uh, so I was down there, one, because my oldest son was graduating from kindergarten, and then my newborn son was due any time. So I just stayed down there for that. Uh, so the irony of it is, like, I get arrested what the morning of June 15th 2015 I get out I have to go get my car to it being pounded or whatever and them motherfucking cops they call, they called themselves doing the inventory them motherfuckers went in there and flipped my car upside down and shit like shit was all thrown everywhere and everything up in that wow. motherfucker but that was them doing the inventory yeah and like when they was handing you back your stuff or whatever that you had on you like they were giving me stuff back that was in my center console I was like that shit wasn't even in my pocket so where did y'all get this shit from you know it was like old wallets and stuff I was like I ain't used that in years it's just been sitting in my center console so y'all was digging for shit looking or whatever anyway get out and my ex-wife she actually had uh text me and uh you know saying she was having contractions or whatever she went to the emergency room or whatever because uh, she thought she was going into labor but she wasn't so they sent her back home so I finally get my life together get my car go over there and then I'm like okay well I'm gonna go back to my friend's house because I saw a stay at the time I was like I'm gonna take a nap or whatever so then they called me and it's like up oh, Crystal's in labor you need to come to the hospital or whatever and then was fucked off about this shit because I guess her locks weren't working on a car or whatever or something so she said, like, don't lock the driver's side door. She told me this after the fact. So I lock all the doors in the car and shit, right? And then I go in there, and then I try to use the key. And the key is stuck, so it won't unlock the doors. So now I'm stuck at the house with her car. She going into labor, and then I can't even get in the fucking car to drive to the fucking hospital. 
So her sister comes pick me up. <coughs> we go to the hospital or whatever. So the same day that I got arrested and got out of jail is the same day that my son was born. So fortunately, I got out and he held off in time so I could actually be there for his birth. But I would have been real pissed off yeah. at the cops because they arrested me and they was being some dicks. And then at my fathead son, too, because he came <laughs> out four days early. So... Um, okay, so you get out of jail, uh, and your, your, your son's born. Just a, a baby being born is, uh, hectic enough. Um, had you called supervision to let anyone know what had happened? No, supervision called me. Like, immediately? Like, before I even, and the funny thing about it, like, my shirt, we're not gonna talk about who this individual no, yeah, is. Yeah, no, no names. But... They try to be slick and shit, you know what I'm saying? Somebody texted me and was like, you know, I heard something. I was like, you know, I'm just trying to play it off because I'm like, okay, I'm sure it's going to get back to him eventually. But right now, I'm not trying to talk about the shit like it just happened. So this individual calls me. And I'm like, hey, Sergeant so-and-so, because we're trying to rename anonymous. So, yeah, I thought y'all was going to get my name. But nah. Uh, <laughs> how's everything going? I'm like, you know, I'm good. Like, I heard you had a rough day this morning. I'm like, nah, everything's cool. He's like, oh, well... We're not going to talk about it now, you know, blah, blah, blah. We'll just wait till you get home. I'm like, all right, that's fine. You know, I already knew what this person was hinting at. But it's like, just say what the fuck you got to say. Don't beat around the bush yeah. or whatever. So that happened before I ended up going to the hospital and my son was born. So a couple of days later, someone calls me and they're like, hey, uh, we just had a kid. Like, my leave was supposed to be for another two weeks. There's like, uh, we're going to have to check in with you every day. And uh, they want you to be back at work Monday. So I already knew that was going to happen. I mean, at least they were nice enough to not be like, come home today. Yeah. You know, because I mean, they could have did that. But they're like, uh, they need you at work Monday. So my leave got cut a week short. Uh, I left my son. He was only three days old. I ain't seen him since. He's what about to be two months old here in a little bit so i ain't seen my son since he was three months old and then for those that don't know like that sunday coming up which i had to leave because i was on the road it was father's day so i didn't even get to spend father's day with my kids because i had to come back to this shithole but uh you know get here cool go to work monday report you know gotta go talk to the whack-ass first sergeant they say what they gotta say now, without giving any names away, I mean, how did they react to you? Can you say it, or do you want to talk about uh, it? It was kind of like, you know, the way they train people to do things, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but it's almost like this fake, phony facade. You know, they try to make you have some level of comfort with them so that you'll talk about stuff. But if you are ignorant of how the process goes, if you say anything to them, and I learned this the hard way going through my situation the first time. People have a tendency to twist stuff so that way it'll benefit their agenda. So, you know, you know, it was all cool, you know, do 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 ask some personal questions about how my family doing, this, this and that or whatever. And uh, you know, try to create that rapport. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I done been through this before, plus I'm not stupid, so I know what you try to do. She was like, Well, you know, you don't have to talk to me or whatever. Do you want a lawyer? And any time you can say you want a lawyer or whatever, and we can stop talking. And I was like, 
you know, I feel com- perfectly fine talking to y'all. Like, we'll just say no for right now, but uh, if I need a lawyer, you know, I'll stop you. You know, we, and then we ain't even really talk about nothing, you know. They told me that when I met the commander that afternoon, that that was going to be my time to, you know, let the commander know what happened as far as on my end. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm going to meet with the commander uh, later on this afternoon. Then it was like, oh, when you come meet the commander, you got to be in blue. So once again, I got to be in my dressy, dressy uniform. But you look a fly as a motherfucker. So. Oh, you know, I always look goddamn good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so for those that don't know, every for almost every career field in the Air Force has its own kind of culture or how they operate, things of that nature. Me being an aircraft maintenance, it's common knowledge that you're only in your blues if you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, unless you're going in like an award ceremony or something like that, which we ain't trying to go to no way. So you really only need your blues if you're in trouble. So like you got to be in your blues. So I was like, oh well, I, I guess I ain't gonna get to talk to the commander today. <laughs> <laughs> so I go in there, you know, everybody and their moms up in there, and then they go through the whole shebang. You know, they go in there and talk, and it's like, all right, so I'm, when you go in there, you got to report. So I knock one time, go in there, do my face and movement. Bam, pop that salute. Sir, sergeant so and so reports. He's like, all right, cool. Stand at attention. So the whole time I'm standing at attention, long story short, he gave me an article fifteen for, you know, DUI and then some other crap that they tossed in there to make it sound good or whatever. So once you get article fifteen, you know, you can either accept it right there on the spot, or you can go talk to, you know, an Air Force defense lawyer, which is supposed to work for you, uh, that's still up for debate. Uh, but anyway, you have a certain amount of days to respond, so you can write up a rebuttal or anything, or write your excuse on paper. So I did that, and then I also wanted a personal appearance with the commander. So I'm talking to him like, "Look, because with a 15, they could have took my stripe again." I'm like, "Look, like I've been in too long. I ain't trying to have this stripe taking stuff. I just had a kid. I ain't trying to have you take my money. Like, but if you do any of these things, you know." consider suspending it and if you don't know what that means like he can impose a punishment but if it's suspended it's almost like being on probation so it's almost like that punishment is hanging over your head but as long as you don't fuck up during this probational period then you'll be all good so that's what he did you know he suspended the the reduction in rank so I'm on probation right now you know try to be a good boy this is probably gonna fuck it off you know what I'm saying but who cares I'm getting out anyway We'll get we'll get to that part. Yeah. So, with them suspending my stripe, I'm like, whew. Well, I'm not gonna be an E4 again, so I don't have to have higher tenure come up. So, just don't fuck up. Get your life together. Go back to work and do do how you usually do before you started going through all this bullshit. And uh, you'll be good. You know that's what I tell myself. That shit was so short lived, like. I left the commander's office, got in the car, and then the ADC, which is the Air Force defense lawyer for me, called. It was like, yeah, I heard what happened. Did you lose stripe? I was like, no, they suspended. He was like, yeah, they're still going to probably try to admin discharge you. So I'm like, damn, son, you couldn't even let me feel happy for a second. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I keep my stripe. Oh, but you're still getting kicked out, you know? That's, so I guess where I'm confused with that is why would it even matter? Just because on paper it's going to say he got out as a staff sergeant instead of a senior. You know what I mean? Uh, Well, 
this is where we get into politics and where shit gets really, really squirrely. Okay. So if you've been in the Air Force for so for a certain amount of time, if they try to do an administrative discharge, you're entitled to what's called a discharge board. With the discharge board, pretty much you'll have the commander's recommendation of what you should get discharged for and the characterization. At this point, I'm being recommended for it uh, under other than honorable conditions, which in layman's terms is the administrative equivalent of a dishonorable discharge. So they're trying to give me the worst shit possibly they possibly can uh, administratively wise. So that's what he recommends for. If it goes to the board, there's a panel of people and you'll have the prosecution and defense and they'll go back and forth on why. It's basically a trial. Yeah. A trial, but administrative wise. So they'll fight and I can get it. They might retain me. They might give me a better discharge characterization or they might say, fuck you and give me what the commander recommends or whatever. And then if that gets approved, then, uh, you know, I get kicked out whenever I get kicked out. Uh, so there's certain things that he, that my uh, defense lawyer could have used to be like, okay, well, let's not add men discharge him for the simple fact of had I, had they took a strike, higher tenure, I would have had to get out in four months anyway from the day they took the strike. So it's like, okay, well, let's not discharge him. Let's just let him ride out higher tenure. There's two factors that would quote unquote benefit me that apparently they don't want me to have. One, I would get out, if I get out higher tenure, one, I would get out with the honorable discharge, which for whatever reason they feel like 11 plus years, so the fuck what, fuck your life. Two, with higher tenure, you do get separation pay. And they come up with this formula about how many time, how long you've been in, what your base pay is and all this stuff or whatever. And then you get a separation pay. So it's like a severance package. So by them letting me keep my strike that that takes that argument of just letting them ride a higher tenure so they don't have to pay anything. so they don't have to pay me anything and i i won't get an honorable discharge so that's two things they took away from me so it honestly them taking your strike might have been beneficial for you to a degree well them just not being assholes and trying to administratively discharge me would have been beneficial to me because Sorry, I'm, oh. I'm not showing your face or anything, but I'm, I'm some of it. Uh, I'm no, I just didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, so, uh, someone. Oh, uh, you show a face, I don't give a fuck. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to. But, I'm uh, say your name, but um, some people on here asked if we're talking about alcohol and you know court martials and depression and stuff. And I said maybe we'll get to that. Oh, okay. So, so uh, like I said, that's everything gets squirrely because like some people look at it, and you, if you talk to anybody, you know, that is a civilian or who who just has common knowledge of Air Force stuff and then, you know, reading to what these, how these regulations are written and how they're read, you know, it's like, well, damn, you're getting fucked over. You know what I'm saying? They punishing you twice and everybody heard of the whole double jeopardy thing or whatever. And I've learned this from the last situation. I was like, yeah, the intent of this discharge is a form of punishment, but the way the regulation is written and the process that they're taking is all perfectly, is legally sound. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, he already got punishment. You know, they already took your stripe and took your money or whatever. So why are they going to kick you out too? So it's like the Article 15, that was non-judicial punishment. So, bam, you got punished. But the discharge, it's not punishment. 
It's an administrative action. So now they're just pushing paperwork. So that's how they get around it. And it's all semantics. It's just play on words, you know. And I know that. And everybody else knows that it's two forms of punishment. But the way that the regulation is written and how they're able to proceed with that stuff, they're able to do that. Right. So since they don't already, so even though they don't already took my money and took them straight, they can still go ahead and, after the fact, kick me out. So dealing with that right now, so after <clears throat> 11 plus years of being in, you know, I had planned on retiring. Uh, well, if my old ass body held up because I'm crippled as fuck too uh, if y'all heard that that was just my ankle popping who knows I don't know if it picked up or not <laughs> yeah, I heard it in my microphone uh, my headphones so I think so what was I so I don't know just, you're facing um, you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they're pushing paperwork they're trying to pushing paperwork so, so after 11 plus years like I said I wanted to retire but now it's not a matter of if I'm getting discharged or if I'm getting out it's a matter of when so more than likely, unless, and I mean, there is that 0.001% chance that somebody would be like, hold up, and then, you know, be like, maybe we should retain them. Who knows? I always hold on to that little glimmer of hope because you never fucking know, you know, that everything is in the, it's in someone else's hands as far as like people are involved, you know what I'm saying? There's no set rule or regulation or how stuff's supposed to go. So they might be in a good ass fucking mood that day and you'd be like, oh. Yeah. Skip it. I mean, you never know. So I always hold on to that little bit of choice, a little bit of hope. But more than likely, within the next month or so, I will be a mister again. And uh, it's kind of scary. It's a, it's a hell, it's a lot of scary. Yeah, no, I mean, you, like you said, you've been doing this 11 years. Like, my whole adult life has been in the Air Force. My whole adult life has been fixing airplanes. So... The only tangible skill I actually have as far as being able to put it down on a resume. Because like I said, I'm a badass motherfucker. I could do all <laughs> kinds of shit. But as far as actual work experience, all I have is working on aircraft. So, and then for people who don't know, depending on what kind of characterization of your discharge, that can affect your employment in the future. You know, because they're going to ask for your DD-214, and that's the piece of paper that shows what type of discharge you got. And uh, if it says anything other than honorable, some employers, they'll take the time to ask you what happened, try to figure it out, and see if you'll still be a fit. But a lot of people will just be like, you're supposed to get an honorable discharge. They're going to say honorable, so fuck you, I'm not hiring you. So yeah, it does become kind of a massive stigma. It's it's almost, and I'm sure people have heard this, but it's almost to the point where it's like uh, somebody's been to prison. It's like, yeah. been in prison? Um, I don't care what it was for, and I'm not going to take the time to figure it out. So, so it's like, with them trying to give me that, it's like, okay, I made one mistake that I admitted to, you, and I'm going to have to carry on a life sentence of being a fuckface and not be able to get hired to provide adequate support for my kids, because I got three goddamn kids. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I take care of all of them. But it's like, okay, well, and I'm going to continue to do that. Hell, if I got to do it, hell, if I got to sell tricks on the corner, you know what I'm saying? I'll come back on here at a later date and let y'all know what corner I'm on so y'all can come support me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's scary to know that you had this something solid going on for so long and then you don't know what the fuck is about to happen in your life. You know, I just had a kid. You know what I'm saying? And they know that. You know? 
And, uh, and I mean, that's not a reason to be like, oh, this person shouldn't be have some type of punishment or action taken against them. But I mean, punishment has already been given. So now they're going a little too far, in my opinion. Uh, do you, um, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to, but do you feel like that you have a drinking problem? Well, I don't know. Like, to be honest, I don't. My problem is that th- that night and hell, some other nights, I might make a bad decision while I'm drunk. But I mean, like they got me in this ADAP program or whatever, and they, you know, they do the whole screen and stuff. And in their eyes, something happened twice because, like I said, I got the other one on my record, even though that was bullshit. So it's like, well, I think they call it like alcoholism unspecified or something like that, where it's not like dependency or abuse, but maybe there's something underlying that we can't really pinpoint. So we're going to recommend that you go through this treatment program. I'm like, all right, cool. Y'all the professionals. I don't know. I don't think I have a drinking problem. But if you do, I'll go for it and I'll go through this program or whatever. So you got to sign this abstinence thing that you're not going to drink while you go through the program. So I was like, fuck it. I signed it. So. Uh, and did you stick to it? Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. I won't say unfortunately because, I mean, they asked me, like, why didn't you drink? I'm like, because it was a Tuesday. Like, well, I'm going to get drunk <laughs> on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, when you're going through the screening, you know, they ask you, like, if somebody told you you need to stop drinking or if you had to give up drinking in the next 30 days, how hard would it be for you? And I'm like, not that hard. You know, I just won't do it. I was like, sometimes I don't even feel like drinking. You know, and then, you know, through my counseling, they ask if you have, like, urges and cravings and stuff. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, well, you know, I did have an urge the other day. And it's like, well, what went, you know, what triggered that? And, uh... I was like, well, shit. When I went to the commander's office and it was like, here's your administrative discharge papers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm going to go through this treatment. Okay, I know that you want to do this, but I'm going to go through this treatment. I'm going to try to make that my priority, you know? And it's like, now I can't even focus on that because over my head was, okay, you might be getting administratively discharged. And then it was like, okay, well... I'm trying to push that to the side and still focus on, you know, completing this program. And then it's like, well, here's your paperwork. We're going to kick you out. So it's almost like, well, well, what the fuck am I doing this shit for? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why am I going to do everything you asked me to do if it's to no benefit of me? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you going to consider letting me stay in? And then the thing is, like, the way they're trying to kick me out, too, is like, if I am you know, discharge in the next week or so or whatever. Like, I wouldn't even have finished, you know, my ADAP program. So I'm in a program for alcohol abuse or whatever the fuck it may be. And then you're not even going to allow me to finish that program. You're just going to kick me out on the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's bad enough with all the other shit going on with veterans and what have you. That it's like, uh, you know, that's bad. This ain't even nothing against them, but I'm like, that's bad business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you got somebody that's got an issue and you're just going to dump them off on society instead of allowing them to finish out whatever treatment or give them the opportunity to flunk out the treatment. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Something. And that's actually kind of where, uh, and I know I'm not alone on this, uh, talk to, let's just take the idea of like, okay, well, the first one was bullshit. The second one was real. That, to me, that doesn't necessarily matter uh, because as your friend and someone who knows you, I, I can say without a doubt in my mind, that you have a very high characteristic and I, I, I've always looked up to you and um, 
I think it's a massive disservice to kick you out, even if you did both of them. Yeah, you know, and I and, hate to cut you off, because I've been talking to my pops or whatever. He was like, because he, he served in the military or whatever, then he worked in the federal sector for a few, well, until he retired. And he was like, he was like one, two. He was like, it don't matter if you had five DUIs. He was like, you know, in the military, they have probation and rehabilitation. He was like, what did they do to rehab you the first time? I was like, yeah. not that you go through a counseling thing. And they said that I had no indicators of substance abuse. And they was like, so he was like, did you ever go through a treatment program? I was like, no. I was like, I'm in one now. Right. I was like, but he was like, it don't matter if you had 50 DUIs. You know what I'm saying? He was like, there's something that they can do. Granted, you know, 50 DUIs is yeah, yeah, excessive, but it's just to drive it home. It's like there's something they could do that they didn't do that could maybe, you know, like he say, correct the problem and put you back into useful service. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, even talking to the ADC, you know what I'm saying? And this is why I say, you know, they're supposed to help you, but it's up for debate. Uh, he was saying, like, you know, the admin demotion, and it raised in the reg, you know what I'm saying, that they're supposed to take you know, corrective actions before you put them out. And he was like, you know, the admin demotion, that was a rehabilitation tool. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Article 15, that was because it says you're supposed to give them the chance to overcome <coughs> their deficiencies. I'm like, the admin demotion, for one, that was bullshit, and nobody gave me it. Like, I stayed in the Air Force after the admin demotion because I made my rank back. Yeah. Nobody, like, cut me some slack and was like, okay, we're going to give him another chance. You know, with this Article 15, okay, you gave me the Article 15, but where's my chance to overcome my shortcomings? You gave me Article 15, and then straight up, okay, you're getting kicked out too. So yeah. it's like, how you just skip around in regulations and use whatever is beneficial to you to fuck over the member? And a lot of this stuff is written where, like, as the member, you're pretty much just fucked. You know what I'm saying? You have to go through the system. Because, I mean, when they did the admin demotion, I appealed it to the highest level of authority. Yeah. And everybody was like, no, and then you know they talk about because I mean these are all officers. It's like you know it's going to be hard. A lot of officers don't want to step on their subordinate officers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if one commander makes a decision, the next level of authority is going to be hard for them to you know say that their subordinate did something wrong. So they just go along with the flow. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, what kind of leadership are we teaching in the military? Then yeah. you know what I'm saying? Well. If he said it's okay, then like, who is actually going to take a look and it won't, at some point stand up and be like, okay, well, this shit is fucked up. Yeah. Not just, well, I don't want to stick my neck out for this person, or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to do that, or I'm just going to go along with whoever's advice or opinion. It's um, like, do some shit for yourself. Are, are you scared that you're gonna be that you're gonna get in trouble? Yeah. And if you're scared you're gonna get in trouble for doing what's right, then maybe you don't need to be in a position of authority. You know what I'm saying? So it's just all fucked off all around. I feel like it's one of those things. It's like. Like, 20 years ago, your kid acts up, you spank him. Everyone spanks their kids. Nowadays, nobody spanks their kids. Everyone gets... Well, not really. Definitely not in public. And they <laughs> and they get looked down on for doing it. Right, it right. It's seen as, in society, like, a, okay, it's a kid. You don't hit them. You explain to them, this is what you did wrong, and I'm going to teach you what to do to do right. And I, I'm not saying you're a child. No, but, no, no, no. I understand. But I feel like in, like, 20 years, they're going to be like... You know how we kicked all those people out? Well, where'd they go? Well, someone probably committed suicide. Someone probably couldn't get a job. Someone, we just threw them out and let them. Sorry, uh, you. I'm not downplaying the fact that DUIs are very serious. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows they are. You know what I mean? And I'm not downplaying that. And I'm not saying like you should be totally forgiven. Well, I do think you should be totally forgiven, and and you should be punished, but not like like they're doing. Like I don't feel like the punishment is equivalent 
to the crime or, you know, whatever you want to put it. Mm-hmm. And I think they have done you a, a massive disservice. I don't think that this is one of my true passions. I'm not even fucking around. Like if I get out, I want to figure out how to reform this, this culture they have of alcoholism. Cause whether you think you have a problem or not, it sounds like you might have something right. like you said, they even said, well, it might be it not specifically alcoholism, but it might be an underlying problem we can't pinpoint. Well, fucking pinpoint it. Exactly. T- take the time. If you think that, if you actually think that, we think there's an underlying problem, we don't know what it is, but he, you know, he's not an alcoholic, so okay, have a nice day, Mr. Blank. Yeah. That's not the way to handle something. Work with the individual. Give them the tools to determine, okay, maybe this is why I drink. Maybe this is the problem. Maybe this is the underlying thing. Do you, are you, do you have depression? Do you feel like I you mean, deal with depression? Yeah, maybe, and I mean, it's funny because now they get me on. They just gave me another antidepressant, fucking uh, Friday. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, with all the shit that I had got going on, because uh, my two DUIs, alcohol-related events, incidents, or whatever, they all happened in the same enlistment. So that's what they look at when they discharge you. What happened in that enlistment? So I already have two honorable discharges because this is my third enlistment. But your last one, your final one, that's the one that's gonna you know carry with you or whatever. So yeah, like. Everything was fine until I got to this station. And then, uh, like I said, I got divorced. Well, divorce got finalized. Then I had been talking on you a little bit. I mean, yeah, and then I mean, I already wasn't seeing my kids, you know, as it was. Yeah. Uh, just because of geographical purposes. It wasn't like because my ex or current wife at the time was a bad person. It was just that, hell, we lived in two different continents. They was in the states and i was in japan so yeah uh i went and saw him as much as i could but like i said i got divorced finalized in 2012 and then how close around was your divorce to the incident the first one probably about six months so that happened and i mean like i said the first incident i wasn't drunk so i ain't worried about it but right, right. that was bullshit and it you know that happened in early 2013 so i'm dealing with that going through all that stuff and then one thing i forgot to mention last time we were talking about because even though I tested in 2014, I had to test for rank in 2014 after coming back from burying my mom because I found out my mom was going through a second bout of cancer. So I had to take emergency leave to go see my mom, and she passed while I was there. So get divorced one year, lose straight the next year, lose your mom the following year, <laughs> you know. Yeah, man, I mean... And then this stuff happens, and then with all of that, you know, like, last week I was having, like, and I'm pretty sure it's, like, I'm almost certain it's all stress-related because, like, uh, everybody's like, oh, your heart sounds good, blah, blah, blah. You know, I talked to the doctor before about my heart or whatever, and it's like, you know, it sounds fast. I mean, it sounds great, you know, but uh, I think, like, last Friday night or Saturday morning of last week or whatever, like, I just started having, like, constant chest pain like pressure on my heart or whatever and uh Monday I ended up having to go to the ER you know just because the pain you know it never yeah. subsided so like for a whole week straight I just had like constant pain on my chest and on my heart or whatever so went to the doctor when I had my follow-up after I went to the ER you know she gave me some aspirin to take in for my heart to help with the pain stuff and you know it gave me antidepressant and anxiety medicine you know just to calm down so it's like 
I like this doctor because I think she's the best doctor I've had the whole time I've been in the Air Force. So, because <laughs> she actually, like, it seemed like she actually give a shit, but that's neither here nor there. But it's like, you know, they don't, you know, the Air Force is supposed to be a family, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was talking about with the kids and stuff or whatever. You discipline them. And one thing my father always said is discipline is supposed to be corrective, not punitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, if you're going to do any type of disciplinary action, the purpose of that is so that that person don't do it again. Not just so we can fuck this person over. And that's what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, well. It's like they want to wash their hands of you. They don't want to yeah. wear it. It's not, a, it's not, it's like you were saying, you know, it's supposed to be a family. They teach you wingman concept. We're all in this together, blah, 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 blah. But as soon as you do something wrong, it's like, how do we, what's the fastest way to get this person out of our hair? And, I mean, I learned this a long time ago. I mean, like, the military, well, I can't speak for the whole military, but definitely the Air Force is nothing, but it, it's, it's ran like a business. You know what I'm saying? Like, all you are is your tangible property to them. So, like, they'll put you out there, find somebody else to come in and fill that role. You know what I'm saying? So they talk about upholding standards and all this stuff, and that's one thing the ADC tried to sell me. Like, you know, the kids' commander's job to uphold standards and all this stuff. I was like, that's fine and dandy. I was like, but a standard is a standard. And... Granted, you know, what I did was bad. You know, there's other people who have failed to meet certain standards. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And they still in. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, or, you know, they talk about NCOs supposed to have integrity, and I'm telling you what actually happened, but you you choose to believe somebody else over me. So why is it that you have more integrity than I do because you hold a higher rank? Why is it that your character is better than my character? because you hold a higher rank or because I made a mistake that for whatever reason you have a bias or you have a predetermined uh, opinion of those type of people. Right. How does that make you a better person to me? And it's like it doesn't. But that's how they roll. And I mean, I can't be mad at them. I mean, I'm not. I'm frustrated because I know that there's other things that could have happened. I'm frustrated, yeah. But... Uh, Hopefully you don't lose any followers or like this, but I am a Christian, so. Uh. No, 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 no. Hey, hold on, hold on. This is not. This podcast has nothing to do with. I mean, it has everything to do with real religion and spirituality to the person because I, I, I want to talk to people. Yeah. I'm not here to to judge anyone. Um, I, I do want to. I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I feel like how could you not be depressed? With, I mean, even. Okay, so you're going through a divorce. That's a horrible thing to go through in a life. I mean, so is a bad marriage, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Um, so you're going through a divorce. You don't get to see your kids. That immediately is a bad thing. And then this, you know, the first incident happens or whatever, and then you lose your mind. It just, to me, it feels like there are levels upon levels of stuff you're ignoring to a degree. It's not, well, that's what's funny, because like I said, I like, I like to hold on to that one little gleaming whatever the fuck it may be. But, uh... Like, you know, I had to talk when my mom was alive. You know, we were talking, uh, you know, she, you know, we, because, you know, I had to go do a sleep study. And, you know, they gave me pills for sleep. But it's actually antidepressants or whatever. And uh, this might be TMI for some people. But I stopped taking them because, like, uh, my ex, she was saying, like, she could see a better, you know, vibe or whatever yeah. in me or whatever. But I had to start taking them, one, because one of the side effects was weight gain. So I started looking, like, real, real puffy in the face. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm getting fat. And then, two, uh, 
it was messing up my extracurricular activities. So, I mean, it had sexual side effects, too. And, like, my thing wasn't working right. You know, it wasn't working how I wanted it to work. So <laughs> I had to stop. did you want it to work? <laughs> I wanted it to work, and it wasn't, you know? So I was like, hold on. I need to stop taking this mess or whatever. So I just stopped. <laughs> extracurricular activities. So, well, I mean, I was on depression medication before. But it was for the purpose of sleeping, and they gave they diagnosed with some attitude, I mean, or some adjustment disorder. It's like it's not so much depression or whatever. So like I don't an know anxiety thing. I don't fucking know, but they gave me that shit. <coughs> but you know, when my mom was talking to her about depression or whatever, she was like, "I was like, she was like, do you think you might be depressed?" I was like, I don't know. You know, it's like because I've been going through so much shit for so long. It's it's normal. So it's like so if I am if I am depressed, I wouldn't know because to me this is how I'm supposed to feel. You know what I'm saying? Like I used the example of like I have a bad back and I've had knee surgeries and so I got bad knees or whatever too. And like I'm always in pain. It's some level of pain, whether it's my knee or my back. And it's like I don't know I've been in that amount of pain so long. Like I don't know what it feels like to be able to like bend down. And not hear, hey, hear your knees crunch or your knees hurt or your back hurt. Like, that's normal to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, people that be running and jumping and skipping and blah, 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 like, I don't know what that feels like because I can't do it. I run and I got to be, go get some icy hot or some Tiger Ball, <laughs> you know, for the rest of the day. So, it's the same thing with this depression stuff. So, it's like, if I am depressed, like, the way I feel, I felt like that for so long, it, like, it's normal. So some people might be like, oh, you might be depressed. It's like, you tell me, I don't know. This would, is normal for me. I, I would think, as your friend looking out, looking at you, and I'm not the only one, there's a couple of people that are like, we, we think he might be depressed. But how could you not be? And, I, and that's not for us to be like, hey, you're depressed. But you got to figure that shit out. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, for me, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but I just want you to know that I can relate to some degree. So I have a little bit of authority to talk on, about it is when I was going through my thing last year and uh, I was thinking about suicide, um, It was it, I always have had a level of depression in my life, for me, and I really have, and I actually figured this out by going to counseling and talking. It's like, like you said, I don't know what it feels like to not feel this way. Right. It's, just, it's a constant doom and gloom for me, and, or an anxiety, or this like pressure on my chest, or these... To the point, sometimes it's almost like I can't function. Like, I need to just lay in my room and leave me the fuck alone. Because I, I don't know how to function. But then last year, it got to a point where it was just building. It's like, the anxiety was too much. Uh, I didn't want to be around anyone. Um, and I started having these thoughts. And believe it or not, this is really stupid, but when Robin Williams killed himself, um, it actually happens a lot. You can look it up. People, when celebrity kills themselves, like, people are like, well, why do I fucking want to live? Right. So they kill themselves. And that was right around when I started feeling that way. But I realized what was going on. And I was drinking a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. To the point where, like, my wife was like, if you don't stop drinking, I'm going to leave you, type stuff. And she's like, and I think you're an alcoholic. And I didn't feel like I was an alcoholic. I still don't feel like I was an alcoholic because I did the same thing. And whenever you, when you're actually trying to seek help, and this is the part that brought, bothers me the most about the, the culture we have in the military that needs to change, is, um, so I self-referred. When mm-hmm. you self-refer, it's supposed to be non-punitive. Right. It, you're bringing yourself in like, look, I think this is not good and I need help. I came in and I told them, look, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. I'm doing this, this, and this. And they're like, okay, well, you need to talk to a mental health uh, professional. As soon as I mentioned alcohol, all my shit, they didn't give a fuck anymore. They were like, oh, you used alcohol? Yeah. 
okay, we need to take this test. They made me take that ADC test because they're going to see whether or not they're going to put me in ADAP. I didn't come here because I feel like I'm an alcoholic. I'm not so. I'm telling you the truth, and now you're subjecting me to this this test that they want you to take. And the thing is, is even if you self-refer, say you're coming in there and you don't want anyone to know your business. Mm-hmm. As soon as you say I've used alcohol, they make you take this test. And if you score high enough and they think you're an alcoholic, they tell your commander, your first shirt, and your immediate supervisor because they need to be part of your program. Yeah, your treat your, your treatment, treatment team. And yeah. I think that is horseshit. It's complete horseshit because, again, it's not supposed to be punitive. What, what gives you? What gives the person incentive to be open and honest with you if immediately you're going to bring people into the picture that maybe they didn't want in their right. business? Because, hell, some of them might be the reason why you drink. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. My supervisor at the time, I, didn't, I did not want him to know. I didn't want him in my business, and he was part of the problem to a, a small degree of the problem. So I didn't tell all the truth, but I went through their little bullshit program, and they said I was an alcoholic, and they pretty much, you know, washed their hands of me, and then I went and could see a mental health professional uh, to start trying to figure out what those triggers are to make me drink and shit like that. Uh, but I'm kind of rambling now, but I, what I'm getting at is, like, uh, the, the depression, not knowing what it feels like to feel normal is, is what I told her. It's like, I don't even know at all what that feels like. Like, I don't remember being happy. And that's actually what they, I ended up getting diagnosed with is this constant, steady thing of depression. It's always been there. Um, I can literally remember having it all the way back to, to middle school. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but by seeking help, I, th- I think it could only help you. But that's something, if, if that's how you feel, it that has to be on you. You know what I mean? I mean, like, they asked me about it. It was like, I don't know what level of... Or quality of help they can actually provide for the simple fact of like okay well it's like you doing this and like I don't need you to address and that's the thing that's what that's what pissed me off about uh, military doctors in general you know what I'm saying how they always give you like Motrin or something yeah. or whatever it's like the way they do stuff is they address the symptoms yeah. they don't address the cause you know what I'm saying? So, like, even with my potential depression that I may have, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, they just gave me antidepressant. They gave me one before or whatever. You know, they're addressing the symptoms that I have with depression and not addressing why it is I'm depressed. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's like instead of giving me something <laughs> to cover it up, let's find out what it is that's causing this depression. Don't just give me some pills and make me feel better. So I'm still depressed, but I feel better about being depressed because I got some medication. And that doesn't even necessarily, I mean, they tell you straight up and I can promise you this is the truth because I've taken meds. I've taken three different meds now for depression. The pills alone don't fucking help. Mm -hmm. You have to seek counseling. They highly, sometimes counseling can work on its own. Sometimes very rarely the medicines can work on their own, but they definitely say you need to do both. Because it, it's a combination of the two. Because you're going to have these ups and downs, and you don't really know how to navigate them. Because when you went on those pills at first, like, for me anyways, it was like, whoa. Like, I was up high for, like, a week. And something I'd never felt before. And I'm just, like, skipping and shit and singing. And there's a little <laughs> bird on my fucking shoulder into work. Um, but then the next week, it's just, like, back down. And then I felt like something was wrong. So you kind of need, need to talk to someone, I think. But even that's all not really the point uh, the point is that I think at the end of the day, it feels like they're not doing right by you. Even even if you did fuck up, 
the one time, the two times, the twelve times. times. It doesn't matter. You deserve, as a veteran, regardless, instead of throwing you out on your fucking face, there should be a better avenue. They, they should take the time to try to set you up for success. Because, yeah, okay, look, maybe military life isn't working for you, and we, we just we want to part ways. We want to break up with you. Yeah. But if we're going to do that, we still love you. We, we appreciate what you did for us. So we're going to do something in return. Well, that's what you. they tell you. They're like, hey, but we're, still, we're still on your side. Whatever we do is going but to be they, the best. But, but that's not, not what they do. Because actions speak louder than words. You know what I'm saying? Their so you can't tell me that, you know, you're doing what's saying. You're trying to take care of me, too, when you're going to put me on the streets with the, yeah. in the worst possible condition that you can. And then, like I talked about with the ADC dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, this cat pretty much told me, because I'm giving him, like, you know, I'm going, and I'm, I took the time to read the regulations and stuff myself to try to navigate through the stuff. Because I've learned sometimes for some people, and it's not their fault, and it's not that they're not trying to help you. It's just sometimes they just don't know themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got to get, I got in the books myself, you know what I'm saying, and read and try to see what regulation and state and all this stuff, whatever. So I know that they chose a certain course of action administratively wise, but I also know that there's another course of action that they could have taken. Yeah. So there's nothing that drives them to actually do what it is they did. You know, it's not, there's nothing in any book that says, oh, this person gets a DUI, give them Article 15, and then administratively discharge them. Because, you know, we do have books. You know, our books, when we work, gives you step by step on how to do stuff. There's nothing that reads that way as far as uh, the administrative process. So I'm like, you know, we can do this conditional waiver, let's go for honorable. Worst case scenario, he say fucking no. Who the fuck cares? But I don't want to not try. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, uh, fight for my retainability. You know what I'm saying? Because your job is supposed to give me the best possible outcome. At least my understanding is try to give me the best possible outcome, not probable. And we talked about this, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I understand your experience and I understand your judgment. And I understand that the probability may not be there. But when it comes to probability and possibility are two different things. So, I mean, like, I'm like, you know, I really need an honorable. I really need an honorable. He's like, no, you need to go for a general. This is and that. And when we did this whole uh, conditional waiver thing, I'm not going to get into that. But pretty much, you know, it helped me get a better discharge characterization and avoid a longer process. But uh, he wrote this whole little memorandum, you know, saying this, this and that and why I should get this discharge versus the one they recommended me for. And then I was like, yo, I really want to get an honorable or whatever. And he was like, well, if you get an honor, if you want to do it for an honorable, like I'll type up the form for you, but there's not going to be a memorandum of me supporting it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, you're supposed to be supporting. You're supposed to give me the best possible outcome. And since I'm going to guess what you want to do, because you don't think it's probable, you're not going to support it. I think basically you know? your lawyer is not how it's yeah. to work. Yeah. Could you imagine if you hired a lawyer and he goes, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this because so, I don't think you deserve it. And then he, that's basically what turned because it's like, you know, da, 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 da. he's like, you know, I have text messages of him like, look, your career is over. You just need to accept it. Jesus. And I don't think you've accepted it yet. And I'm like, it's not about whether or not I've accepted. I was like, I understand completely. I'm not dumb. See, I think that's the problem, too. You know, people get degrees or they hold certain positions of authority and all this stuff or whatever. Like, you're an officer. That's cool. You're a lawyer. That's cool. So you got two things working for you. I am. I don't have a degree. Well, I do have a degree. I have an associate's. I, I mean, I don't have a bachelor's. I don't have a law degree. 
you know what I'm saying? But, right, that doesn't make me stupid. I know how to read. I know how to interpret things. I know how to process stuff. So, it's not a matter of legalese type stuff or what's this, what's that, or blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm asking you to do your job, and you're basically telling me that you're going to do your job how you see fit. And that even though you tell me your job is not to you know, pass moral judgment or anything on any of your uh, clients, you telling me that even you believe that I should get discharged and that I should just suck it up and try to figure out what's going to happen on the outside. So it's like, if I don't even think you have my best interest in, at hand when you're not even going to fight for my retention. So yeah, you might have been doing JAG stuff longer than I have. Of course, that's your job. But I can guarantee you, if you're just a captain, I've been in the Air Force longer than you have. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I have more invested in this. And he's like, you know, I was like, I'm not trying to invalidate uh, your credentials, your personal experience, anything like that. I was like, but this is your job. This is my life, you know, that we're talking about here. This ain't just my Air Force career. This is my fucking life because my employment opportunities once I get out are going to affect how I'm able to provide for my kids. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you just worried about, you know, facilitating the process and pushing me through or whatever. And then as long as I don't get a UOTHC, as long as I get a general or whatever the fuck, that's a win for you in your eyes. Because it ain't about the person. It's about the ADC and the JAG going back, you know, fighting, you know, trying to see who going to win. So it's not even really about the members, you know. They trying to worry about their numbers. Yeah, yeah, I won this case and this, this and that or whatever. Because you know he was telling me he was like, you know, he was worried about his credibility. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if I go for him, you they're gonna take us as a joke. But I was like, no, it's because I want the record to reflect that. Yeah, some people might have the position that I should be discharged, and yeah, I agree that I should be punished for it. But I don't agree. I don't feel that I should be discharged. You know what I'm saying? Definitely don't feel like to be discharged under those conditions. And I want to be retained. Like, I wanted to reflect that that's what I want. That's my opinion. And I'll talk to why. You know, but then they always want to be like, well, we don't know if you should make a statement, blah, blah, blah. Because you might say something that can incriminate yourself and they can use it against you. And I'm like, bruh, like, you're already trying to give me the worst shit there is. So I can't fuck myself off even more. Yeah. I was like, and like I said, I'm not stupid. I do know how to speak appropriately when I need to. Yeah, I'm using a lot of fucking cursing now, <laughs> but no. that is how I wrote. But I mean, uh, they say people who cuss are more trustworthy, anyways. So. You know, in front of the right audience, you know, I do know how to conduct myself appropriately, and I'm not going to say anything that's going to make me look bad. So, and plus, I ain't got nothing to hide. You know, he was like, "Well, you say anything if you do an unsworn statement, uh, or if you do a sworn statement, you know, anything you say can be uh, cross analyzed or whatever." I'm like. Okay, they can ask whatever question they want. They got all the facts right there. And they can listen to this podcast. Huh? Or they can listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> listen to the podcast. You know, we bring that to the board. I'm like, bam, listen to that. You know, because then they can see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Of, or at least to get the, get the feeling that, look, man, at the end of the day, this is a human being, and we're fucking with his life, you know? It's not just a number. It's not just a file. It's someone's life they're fucking with. And uh, at least do good by you for being a veteran, you know? Yeah. I mean, but when it's all said and done, I'm starting to become okay with it. Not so much the whole getting out there, because like I said, I didn't want to get out the Air Force or whatever. But 
there's other things that I said I wanted to do in life in general. And the Air Force kind of circumvented those things from happening. Like, for one, you know, I said, I said, I was going to grow dreads. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is random as fuck, but I was like, you know, I'm going to grow some dreads. And I was like, when I retire, I'm going to grow some dreads. You know what I'm saying? So now I can get a jump start on growing my dreadlocks and shit. Oh, shit. Because if I'd have retired. There's always a silver lining. You know, if I'd have retired, right? You know what I'm saying? That's 10 more years. And who knows? I might have been fucking going bald by the end. And then I can't grow no goddamn dreadlocks. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fuck? <laughs> so, you know, I got a little bit growing. You know what I'm saying? I'm still That's in regs. You know, I'm still in regs a little bit. But, uh, you know, you know, I won't have to shave no more. <laughs> you know? You barely do that anyways, but... <laughs> true, true. But, uh, you know, now I don't have to shave. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, I ain't got to do no more PT test. You oh, know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think I hurt myself more doing PT test as it is. You know what I'm saying? I know somebody, you know, they all harp on PT. Like, uh, rest in peace to this individual. But, like, one of my first sergeants when I was in Japan... He died after his PT test, you know what I'm saying? Because they had just changed all the standards and was making everything, you know, a little more harder. And uh, after his run, you know, his... He was set down on the track and died. I thought I read about that. Uh, I think so. But, That's terrible. Yeah, he was the same man. He was close to retirement, you know what I'm saying? And died during a PT test. You know what I'm saying? They worried about people being fit to fight and all this stuff they're not worried about your health they just want you to pass a fitness test you know what i'm saying <laughs> i think i'm in better health when i sit around eating pizza and not doing nothing there <laughs> running 10 miles a day on my bad knees and bad back and then having to smell like an old folks home afterwards you know so like i said i can grow dreads grow my beard i ain't gotta do a pt test no more uh i can move around whenever i want to you know what i'm saying like once i get out I don't have to stay here if I want to. I mean, I might, at least for a little while, you know, because I got a lot of good friends here and shit, and, you know, I am still relatively close to my kids. So I might stick around here. The you options know? there. Uh, I mean, I got the whole world at my leisure, so right, maybe it's just my time. <laughs> that sounds fucked up, don't it? <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm glad that you're keeping uh, a positive in places where you can be, you know what I mean? You can't all be doom and gloom. And, um, alright, you got friends there for you, so don't be a fucking stranger, Jesus. You know, just come over here and ramble on your microphone some more. <laughs> Maybe I'll bust a freestyle one day. Go. No, I, <laughs> you should see his face right now. <laughs> no freestyle. Alright, man, I appreciate you talking to me. Oh, well, I appreciate you having me. Is this the end now? Yeah. Okay, see you. Bye. Love you. special thank you to my interview today and uh, to all of you for listening if you uh, come across this first episode i do want to apologize i know the audio wasn't great but this is our first one and we're still trying to hammer out the details and figure this whole thing out so please just uh stick with us and uh come back next time